Welcome back, everybody, to the Surely You Can't Be Serious podcast, part two of the James Bond Never Say Never Again versus Octopussy podcast. Jason, are you ready to jump back in? Okay, man, let's let's go through the checklist really quick, all right? Walter PBK, silenced? Check. License to kill? Check. Bazooka pin? Check. Jetpack? Check. Weird Fabergé egg? <laughs> Check. And octopus tattoo that nobody else can see but me? Ready to go. All right. <laughs> Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Surely You Can't Be Serious podcast, discussing and debating the iconic and the forgotten of 80s and 90s pop culture with your co-hosts, James D. Graves and Jason Colvin. Welcome back, everybody, to the Surely You Can't Be Serious podcast. Okay, Jason, just because kind of all of the James Bond movies kind of meld together in my brain, I think we should go over a brief plot outline for each of these, oversimplified as we can get. Okay, so I'll go first. We'll do Octopussy. This is straight out of IMDb. When agent 009 turns up dead at the British Embassy in East Berlin holding a Russian Fabergé egg, 007 is called to investigate. He soon finds out that the egg is being sought by a collector named Kamal Khan, who is in league with the psychopathic Soviet general Orlov, who is hell-bent on Soviet domination despite reprimands from his superiors. Orlov's plan involves smuggling an atomic bomb into the U.S. Air Force Base in West Germany, in the hopes of crippling the country and leaving it an easy target for Soviet conquest. Bond's investigation of Khan leads him to India where he meets a mysterious woman named Octopussy who is connected to Khan. The bomb is smuggled aboard a circus train and one of the men helping Kamal and Orlov is the man responsible for killing 009. Bond must race against time to stop the bomb from exploding and killing thousands and then running down Kamal Khan before he escapes. Octopussy. Okay. All right, so I'm going to give you the plot outline of Never Say Never Again, which, as a reminder, is the exact same plot of Thunderball. James Bond 007 makes his way for one last mission. Two American nuclear warheads have been stolen by Spectre. The British reactivate their 00 section and send Bond off to the Bahamas to recover them. There he meets Maximilian Largo, who is a power-mad mastermind set on carrying out his plan for worldwide nuclear blackmail. On Largo's side, the villainous femme fatale Fatima Blush, but Bond does have an ally, Largo's girlfriend, the beautiful Domino, who falls for Bond. Okay, so those are the brief plot outlines. I It didn't help me at all. Like, it's like, boy, could those have been the same movie? Yes, those could have been the same movie. <laughs> <laughs> you, you throw out Fabergé egg and circus, and those are basically the same movie. So Bond has got a formula here, right? And we're going with what works. That's right. You've got conniving bad guys. You've got Cold War atomic danger, and you've got beautiful women who may or may not be trying to kill 007. That's right. <laughs> it works. Why change it? Right. Here's one thing that I, I want to point out to you. It's a little bit confusing for me because I've seen Thunderball many times. I've seen Never Say Never Again many times. Mm -hmm. I've read the novel Thunderball, and I've seen Austin Powers many times. Oh, behave! <laughs> <laughs> yeah! 
essentially this is the same plot from Austin Powers, right? He is holding the world ransom for one million dollars. Oh no, one hundred <laughs> billion dollars, right? Oh uh, yeah. Okay, so of these two plots, which is the yeah, winner? It's, it's the to, same. It's the formula, man. It's the same. I mean, score here. I, honestly, plot-wise, it's not significantly different. Both um, have beautiful women. Both right. have nuclear weapons. I can say this. Despite having very similar plots, it seemed to me that Octopussy had a lot more action sequences to it like you've got i mean it's you know it's like hal needham was involved with this one can we have a car chase can we have a car shooting off a bridge can we have a guy dangling from a train how can we have a guy dangling from a plane you know would you eat it with a goat would you eat it on a boat uh, <laughs> so the boat comes up and never say never but i think that the thematic points make octopusy a more exciting movie to watch what about you well, I think the plot of Never Say Never Again is more interesting. Holding mm -hmm. the world ransom with nuclear weapons, to me, is just more gripping rather than Fabergé eggs and a Afghan prince and this weird octopus cult. Although it, it just kind of all melds together into a Bond adventure for me. I think, right. I, think, uh, I think Never Say Never Again, for me, is the winner on just the plot. So okay. All right, so let's... Let's jump from plot. Let's jump into opening song. Every Bond movie has an opening <laughs> song. So let's talk about opening songs. Okay. All right. So the opening song for Octopussy is All Time High by Rita Coolidge. Oh, yeah. Listen <laughs> to that smooth saxophone sound. Okay. <laughs> so to me this one is uh, it's slower, it's more melodic, it's it's a, a ballad. I think they're trying to capture the Carly Simon feel from The Spy Who Loved Me. What what are your thoughts? For sure that they're they're going back to that. This is this is smoothie and jazzy all over the place. And you know why they didn't why they didn't have a song that was named after the title of the movie? Because they can't think of anything that rhymes with octopusy. That's exactly right. <laughs> Thanks for ruining that joke. Oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's the right answer. Okay. Don't be a wussy. Go watch octopusy. <laughs> So, yeah, I, I agree with you. This does have a little bit of a yacht rock feel to it. Real Coolidge, to me, is the girl who sang Higher and Higher from the early 80s, which that was kind of a big hit. But mm -hmm. uh, it's interesting because this is 1983. Mm -hmm. They could have used Duran Duran. They could have used Journey. They could have done something a little more young and peppy, and they went the opposite way. Well, yeah. Just thinking about this, you got two guys who were iconic from the decades past. You've got the 60s Bond and the 70s Bond. And, I mean, it makes sense that they would have 70s music with the 70s Bond, but these guys were at the end of their era. And, you know, we haven't... I mentioned way back when we were talking about Raiders of the Lost Ark that Bond is an outright pig a whole lot of the time. That right. kind of ended with these two guys. Like, this, they were... They are the... They're the dinosaurs. They're the ones... Once you hit... Timothy Dalton, he's not even having sex, let alone all the, you know, inappropriate zooming in on the woman's cleavage. <laughs> I'm, you know, tricking the virgin into giving it up by using a trick deck of cards. Uh -huh, I mean, there, uh -huh. there's just so many. Or Thunderball, you know. Well, you wouldn't tell Dr. Wayne. Please, I've done my job. Well, I, I suppose my silence could have a price. You don't mean... 
on. Oh, yeah. Oh, my gosh. You are uh-huh. a pig. Uh-huh. And that, that disappears with this. But I, I think that the songs are a part of that deal, that they are from a time past. They're not looking to capture a new audience. They're looking to keep the audience that they already have hooked in. And I think if they use Journey or Duran Duran, that they're going to turn a whole, a whole bunch of the folks that were watching them in the 60s and 70s off. I understand what you're saying, but they used Duran Duran two years later in 1985 with A View to a Kill. And it's probably the best Bond song of all time. Well, yeah, according to you and me, it is because well, yeah. we were kids of the '80s, and so yeah. And you've got and you had "Live and Let Die" too, which was a totally kick. Well, it's a butt there song, too. yeah. <laughs> and, but the song transition started to happen, I guess, before they completely got out of having these actors in there. But it wasn't there yet. They were they're still working on that formula. Okay, so let's switch back to "Never Say Never Again." Yeah. So for "Never Say Never Again," we have. Never Say Never Again by Lonnie Hall. Okay, this one makes James Bond feel even older to me. <laughs> it's just... Copa, it's just... Copa, Copacabana, uh, 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 uh. Oh, yeah. It does have that 70s feel to it. Yeah, it's like Fantasy Island or Love Boat. (laughs) You're right. (laughs) Did you watch the video for this? Yes. Okay, I'm going to poke fun at her just a a touch. Pretty lady. You don't like the tuxedo? I don't like the tuxedo. (laughs) I don't like women in tuxedos. I'm sorry. Anyway. It depends on the circumstance, but this is not the right one. (laughs) Okay, I'm going to quit talking, but... I think All Time High charted a little higher than Never Say Never Again. I like 80s music, so I'm not going to poke fun at the 80s feel for both of these, even though they're both kind of 70s feel. Who's the winner? I I probably like Never Say Never Again. No, I don't know, man. They're both, <laughs> they're both not going to be anything that are falling into my playlist <sighs> anytime soon. Yeah, it's got to be Never Say Never Again. The Rita Coolidge is just... I love the Carly Simon song, but this the Rita Coolidge didn't didn't make it okay well i'm gonna say rita coolidge by a nose all right then okay here's one i want to talk about okay and it's going to be a little bit hard to talk about because never say never again does not have that opening credits scene okay so that doesn't really count we just kind of have to set that one aside octopussy's opening credits scene yes a little bit revealing in their silhouettes. Right. Yeah. This is the one that made me go back and watch the other ones. Like I was like, oh, wait a minute. Were all of the silhouettes completely naked and really, really cold? <laughs> <laughs> and some of them were. Some you'd be surprised. Back I in think the, this one was back the one in the day they'd had a little a little nipply. It definitely is a little nipply. They pushed the envelope, I think, on this one even further. So but uh so the opening credits it's always done by the same guy and it always has that same feel, but yeah, pushing the envelope on all the naked women. Right. Well, and you know, since we're on songs, we should at least touch on the iconic James Bond song, which is done by John Barry, of course. Right. He was asked by the people who were putting together, never say never again to do the music for it as well, but out of loyalty to Eon productions and Cubby Broccoli, he said, um, no, thanks guys. I'm going to, I'm not going to get in the middle of that divorce mess. No, thank you. Okay. So next on the list, let's look at the cast a little bit. Okay. So for Octopussy, we have Maude Adams, who we've already talked about a little bit. 
So I want to touch on Maude Adams again. She plays Octopussy. She was 38 when she did this. She had been in The Man with the Golden Gun with Roger Moore. She was Scaramanga's girlfriend. Right. So she is actually a Bond girl twice, two different characters. Kind of interesting. Yeah. She was a Playboy model. Google search. Okay. Um, (laughs) What's coming? (laughs) Okay, so let's talk about a couple of the people who were considered for the role of Octopussy. This is, I found this interesting. They wanted Faye Dunaway, which Mm -hmm. would have been interesting, but she was too expensive. Right. And so they asked Barbara Carrera. Oh, right. Who was not in Octopussy. She was in. She was in Never Never Say Say Never Never Again. So she plays Fatima Blush from Never Say Never Again. Did you say Blush? (laughs) Fatima. Fatima it's Blush. Hard. It's real hard not to say Bush, isn't it? <laughs> I try it's to blush. say it like her because it's just Blush. It's Blush. I don't care. If she's got an accent. It's Blush. She right? says Fatima Blush. Blush. Yeah. Right. Yeah. She was interested, but then when she found out she could be in a movie with Sean Connery, she was like, "No, no, no, thank you. I'll go act with Sean Connery." And then when they said, "Hey, we can put your body double in for this love scene," and she was like, uh, "No, thank you. I'll go ahead and do it myself with Sean Connery." That's right. Thank you very much. Much, Barbara Kerr, we appreciate you. <laughs> but when she turned them down to go work with Sean Connery and Octopussy, they looked at Persis Cambada. Okay, I'm not positive I'm saying that right, but you will recognize her from Star Trek The Motion Picture. She plays Ilea, the bald girl that's taken over by V'ger. Oh, the bald girl, the yeah. bald like Vulcan girl. Yep, that's oh, who they okay. wanted to play Octopussy. Bad guy is Lewis Jordan. He plays Kamal Khan. He had been in Gigi, and this is one from the 80s. He was in the Swamp Thing. Oh, yeah. he's the He is the guy from the Swamp Thing. Yeah. That, when I look at him, it's Swamp Thing. Yeah, Swamp Thing all the way for sure. What would you think of him as a bad guy? I mean, who is the bad guy in Octopussy? Is it him or is it Orloff? I, I mean, it's him, really, to me. Yeah. I mean, he's got that fantastic scene at the end where he's flying the plane oh by the way i forgot i didn't mention this so when they're flying the plane you know when they're shooting the movie that plane was the way they were going to do that is they had it on like this catapult kind of thing and there's nobody in the plane they just have it full of explosives so that you get a nice big kaboom an earth shattering kaboom (laughs) whenever whenever it hits and so they shoot it off in the catapult they're filming in Utah, and when they shoot it off, suddenly the wind catches it, and it starts gliding around uh, like unmanned. I mean, there's no remote. It's just glide, and it's gliding over a freeway full of busy traffic. Oh, my gosh. But ultimately, you know, falls in a different spot. It doesn't even blow up. They had to reshoot the, the explosion scene <laughs> altogether. It's just- That's the scene where Kamal Khan tells Gobinda to go, go outside and go get him. Yeah. I'd be like, sorry, dude, you don't pay me enough money. I'm not doing that. Yeah. No. He, he looks at him like, out, out there? Yeah, <laughs> go out there and get him on the outside of the airplane. Okay, so Gobinda, let's talk about him for a second. I don't know who this guy is. His name is Kabir Bindi. But uh-huh. he, to me, he's just a recreation of Odd Job from Goldfinger. He, cr- he gets mad and he crushes the dice Yeah, that, that game. Very Odd Job-like feel to him. He doesn't right. say anything. I mean, just very few lines, like, out there. Yeah. Is Octopus he's the muscle. He's a villain? The, 
Yeah. Well, she was much more of a villain in the book. In this one, I think they kind of lightened her up. They gave her a, a backstory, which kind of explained why she was the way she was, which is her, her father was the one that James Bond had, I guess he allowed him to commit suicide. Like he was a bad guy that James Bond allowed to commit suicide. But she was thankful for that. So thankful that she threw herself at him. I mean, she saves him several times during that deal. Yep. She's, you know, the, they're in bed, and then all of a sudden there's a, a dripping buzz sob yo-yo about to take your <laughs> head off. That was a really memorable moment for me as a kid. And then, of course, shortly thereafter, you know, everybody's running in. You know, you get the girls in the um, <laughs> the Incredibles uniform. It's what they look like now to me. <laughs> To, sh- to shoot off the bad guys, but then that guy gets his head smashed through the tank and gets the octopus on its face, just like Alien. I mean, it just looked like, oh my gosh, guys, come on. Yeah, that blue ring octopus was the uh, the really the main bad guy. Uh, and then you have those ridiculous knife-throwing twins. Yeah. You have Stephen Burkhoff, who plays General Orloff. He, you might remember, is was in Rambo. And Beverly Hills Cop, he's kind of known during this stretch time as playing a great bad guy. So this is interesting. So there's the actor VJ in the movie. The the character VJ is played by an actor VJ Amritraj, I believe is how you pronounce his last name. But okay. he had been he'd been a tennis player yeah. uh, before this, right? He was a professional tennis player, and so you got some tennis jokes in there, like when the things are being thrown. Somehow he gets a tennis racket and knocks it away. But he had he'd been a tennis player and hadn't gotten his SAG card yet, his Screen Actors Guild card yet, and so they weren't going to let him do the movie. And so Cubby Broccoli calls in a favor to Leonard Goldberg, who is the producer of Fan. Fantasy Island. There it is. Hey, (laughs) there we go. All connected and gets him a guest spot on Fantasy Island. And that was enough to get him a SAG card. And then he could go and be in this movie. That's cool. That's cool. Yeah. I want to talk about Magda for just a second. Okay. She's played by Christina Wayborn. She's kind of the red haired girl that Bond seduces earlier in the movie. Okay. She steals the Fabergé egg from him and then makes this sort of uh, dramatic exit by she ties a sash around the the balcony Uh and then falls over backwards and spirals down using her dress essentially to escape. Right, right, right. Really cool stunt. And that actress actually did that. Oh, wow. It's really cool. Yeah. She didn't do much else. Like she was on MacGyver. (laughs) (laughs) She was on Airwolf. She became one of the 80s. You're in this TV show for an episode or two. A-Team has to be in there somewhere. (laughs) Probably so. (laughs) Probably so. So you also have Lois Maxwell as Miss Moneypenny. Just another side note. When Lois Maxwell met Ian Fleming back in the day when she was first cast, mm-hmm. he started talking to her about how she was the perfect choice there at this like kind of cocktail party. And he's like, and she's like, well, what do you mean? And he's like, well, just the, the air of sophistication with full and luscious lips. And she was like, oh, really? And kind of leans in a little bit. And she said, should I say cheese or prunes? And he said runes and she said they were about to kiss she was ready for the kiss and then his wife walked up and said (laughs) what you doing (laughs) (laughs) okay so that's the cast of octopussy that of course leaves out roger moore which we're going to hold until the end 
So let's flip back to Never Say Never Again. Let's talk about the cast of Never Say Never Again. Before we get started on the cast, the fight sequences, do you know who they hired to be the trainer for the fight sequences in this movie? I do know, but give it to me. A young <laughs> Steven Seagal, who broke Sean Connery's wrist in the training. <laughs> I heard this. He was on The Tonight yeah. Show talking about this. And oh, yeah. They were training, and Steven Seagal got him just right, and he's like, dang, that hurt. And he didn't realize <laughs> it for like 10 years later. It just kind of had a constant wrist pain. And it was uh-huh. all the way back to that incident. Stephen Skull broke Sean Connery's wrist. Okay, so because Sean Connery had so much creative input on this movie, he had the final say on a lot of these actors. Kim Basinger plays Domino Patachi. She was actually recommended by Connery's wife. She met her at a dinner party. She's an up-and-coming actress. She hadn't really quite broken it big yet, and Connery's wife thought she'd be perfect for the part. She'd actually been asked to be a Bond girl before, but was afraid of what kind of corner that would paint her in and turned it down. But then by 1982, she's like, Okay, I haven't made it big yet. I'm going to go ahead and do this and get some public exposure, and it definitely worked out for her. For me, she's always going to be Vicki Vale from Batman 89. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah. Okay. I'm going to not. Go ahead. <laughs> nine and a half nine, weeks? Nine and a half weeks is what's going through. There we go. Yeah. So, rumor has it that Kim Basinger was a holy terror on this set. Like, really? nobody could get along with her. She hated everyone. She didn't socialize. Everybody hated her. Then you also have Claus Maria Brandauer, who played Maximilian Largo. I thought that was Phil Collins. <laughs> <laughs> No, I'm just kidding. He, he, I always thought that like when that. I was a kid. I was like, is that Phil Collins? <laughs> and then I saw him in Buster. I was like, I guess it was Phil Collins. No, <laughs> he's okay. He, I, I don't know. He just doesn't, he didn't strike fear into my heart, I guess. Him and the, and the video game face off, it was all just kind of dumb to me. We have to talk about the video game. Should we do it now or should we wait? Yeah, yeah, go ahead. Largo and Bond meet together in this highfalutin five-star fancy casino and they're going to play this video game called domination which is it's a really effective scene in the movie if they lose they get electric shocks from the from the game itself but the funny thing to me is right before they sit down to play the game bond is walking around the casino and stumbles into an old school arcade and then they have like 15 centipede stand-up video games all over the place I bet this probably wasn't too far off of the truth of what was really going on in some of the bigger casinos out there. I mean, we're talking about 19... I mean, this the movie came out in 83, but we're talking about 1982. The year before that, you had Galaga come out, you had Donkey Kong Jr. come out, you had Quicks come out, you had Mrs. Pac-Man come out. I mean, if there was an arcade video game peak climax, I bet that was it. You're probably right. You're probably right. By the way, it's Ms. Pac-Man. Did I say Mrs.? Yes, that's all right. Sorry, it's very not politically correct. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, and they hired Max von Sydow to play Blofeld, which he doesn't do very much. He's not in it very often, but... But what a great bad guy he is. Seriously, he plays Jesus. Yeah, 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 yeah. He didn't look like that when he played Jesus. I mean, he looked much better back then. But let's not forget, he was Emperor Ming. Oh, my gosh. Cue the Flash music right now. Flash. I feel like I've done that already. Have I done that already? You did. I did. 
Okay. <laughs> this is who I really want to talk about. Oh, so yeah, there's the Timothy Dalton connection. I was like, why did I do that? Oh, yes, because Timothy Dalton was Baron in, in Flash Gordon. That's right. That's it. That's it. All right. So Barbara Carrera plays Fatima Blush. <laughs> she is a former Playboy model. She was asked to play the character Octopussy. Yes. She turned it down for a chance to work with Sean Connery. And we right. talked, this is the type of woman that you're like, I'm 99% sure she wants to kill me, but I still want to sleep with her. <laughs> she's beautiful. Right. She's sexy. She's deadly. Yeah. And her end scene, like her death scene, is so much better than her counterpart in, in Thunderball. I mean, I in Thunderball, he just uses her as a human shield when the assassin <laughs> is trying to sh shoot him from behind the yep. musicians. But... Oh my gosh, when she's she's going on her really nutty rant and then he manages to pull out the exploding bomb pen that he has and then in her rant he shoots her and it doesn't detonate. And she starts laughing and then boom and nothing's left but her shoes uh that's one of the best endings to a bad bond girl i've ever seen that's my favorite scene in the whole movie <laughs> and here's the deal she's got the drop on him with the gun right okay there's this huge motorcycle chase that's really awesome yeah when she finally gets him she's got the drop on him she has him write it out that she was the best he ever had that's so random it's so dumb <laughs> Write this down. I, James Bond, 007. Yeah, I oh, mean. There was this girl from Philadelphia. <laughs> <laughs> I loved it. I loved it. Oh, and you're right. When he hits her with that bazooka pin, it's a just boom. And she actually fires back. She misses him just barely. And then she uh -huh. explodes. And it's great. What a great death scene. A couple of other people we need to talk about. Yeah. Bernie Casey plays Felix Leiter. Right. Which he, that is the same guy who plays Mr. Ryan from Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. Right. The history teacher. And he's also the training ops guy for Spies Like Us. And so this movie's got Rowan Atkinson in his first feature film performance. Yes. He plays Nigel Small Fawcett. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the names are just so, yeah. so subtle. So Nigel subtle. Small Fawcett. And then, of course, he, he goes on to, you know, he's Mr. Bean. He's got all kinds of success in various roles. But one of the most memorable ones in relation to this is, of course, Johnny English. I love Johnny English. My kids think that it's one of the funniest movies ever. And one of the taglines on one of the posters was the little brother of James Bond. Nice. The last one I want to talk about is Valerie Leone. She plays... Quote, the lady in the Bahamas. This is the girl who is fishing while Bond is uh, wrestling sharks and her lure comes by. He grabs the lure and she reels him into the boat. He's got this weird scuba gear outfit on. And so the next scene, he's wearing her overalls. So seeing Sean Connery in overalls, <laughs> a little hard for me to take. Oh my gosh, yes. 
we can't leave out of the cast the guy who's always in the fight with our action hero, Mr. Pat Roach. Yeah, yeah. Who, if you don't know, is the guy who played the big German in Raiders of the Lost Ark who is fighting with Indiana Jones. He also plays the guy with his arms on fire at the earlier scene, the Nepalese guy fighting with Indiana Jones. He ends up fighting, obviously, with James Bond here. And he was also the guy in Temple of Doom who gets the rock dropped on his head. I mean, he gets Pat Roach. Crusher, yeah. He and Bond have this really great fight scene at the spa where Bond is there getting in shape. Mm-hmm. And they're wrestling and fighting. And, you know, he's whooping Bond. He's throwing him all over the place. And they go and they ended up in this room where Bond picks up this glass and it's got this unknown substance in there. And he throws it and splashes it in the guy's eyes. And as he's like screaming about, you think it's acid. He, uh, Bond looks at it and says, James Bond urine sample. This is kind of funny scene. <laughs> and, right. uh, but uh, the thing that kills him is he backs into all these glass glasses that kind of stab him in the back. But that whole scene I thought was great. So for me, Never Say Never Again has the stronger cast. I think Barbara Carrera steals the show. She's way more formidable than any, any villain in Octopussy. Yeah, I agree with you. I think that probably the stronger cast members are going to be in Never Say Never Again. Agreed. All right, D, so let's, let's compare gadgets from these two movies real quick. In Never Say Never Again, you've got the laser watch, and you've got the super cool rocket motorcycle that Q gives to Bond. Right. In Octopussy, you've got the, the TV watch. Ha- You've got the TV watch, and you've got the pen that shoots acid. You also have the giant Union Jack hot air balloon. (laughs) It's infamous. (laughs) Maybe the best Bond vehicle that has ever been. I don't know. (laughs) Who shows up? Check me out. Can't miss me. I'm coming in to help. I'm not covert at all. Right. The I, when, Whoever makes those how it should have really ended things, <laughs> the end of that movie would have been like, what the heck is that? Shoot that down. Boom. Okay. <laughs> movie's over. All right. Move on. One of the coolest vehicles, though, from Octopussy, Bond g- travels around in this submarine that looks like an alligator. That's uh-huh. It's pretty sweet. Okay. So not much with gadgets, but other than the really cool early version of the Apple Watch that Bond has in Octopus. Seiko TV. They actually, there these were real things. It was black and white. It wasn't color. And I'm pretty sure that the cleavage shot would have been much more pixelated than it appeared in the movie. But there, there was a black and white TV watch that existed at that time. We keep mentioning the cleavage shot. Let's talk about that for just a second. Okay. Because it is so silly. It's I mean, so it's silly. like... If if my if my fifth grader did that, yes. I'd be like, "You are grounded." <laughs> what were you thinking? Okay, for those who don't remember, when he Bond is meeting with Q, and they they're looking at all these gadgets, Bond finds a video camera that's hooked up to a TV console, and he zooms in on this girl's cleavage, kind of going in and out like a like a goofy teenager would it's and then it just leaves it there it's just you're just watching like four screens of boobs for <laughs> the for the next two minutes of the scene <laughs> here are a couple of things that are interesting about never say never again number one this was the last film where sean connery was clean shaven and thank thank goodness and, and <laughs> i think it was the last one where he wore the hairpiece i mean it was just like you're just trying too hard to look like you did 20 years ago so good job on that you you still are a sexy man with your gray beard and your bald head everybody loves you like that so he stuck with that this is the only 007 movie that was directed by an american 
It was directed by Irvin Kirshner, who we talked about was also the director of Empire Strikes Back. But it wasn't the first time that Irvin Kirshner had worked with Sean Connery. He had also worked with him in 1966 on a movie called A Fine Madness. Okay. This is super interesting, I think. I I think I'm going to blow your mind on this. You ready for this? Yeah. Okay. Largo's ship in the movie is called Uh The Flying Saucer. Okay. Okay. From the book, it's called The the Disco Volante, which means Flying Saucer. So they just kind of Americanized it. But it was a super yacht. It was called Kingdom 5KR. The closing credits include the line, Thanks, AK. That refers to Adnam Koshagi, the Saudi arms dealer who allowed them to film aboard his 280-foot yacht. He later sold the yacht to... Drumroll. Donald Trump. Oh! Who renamed it the Trump Princess. That is no joke. It's currently owned by somebody else, but still. Yeah, that's crazy. This was the last movie to feature Spectre until 2015 when Daniel Craig's Spectre Bond movie came out. Short side story. I remember going and waiting in line at the movie theater. I'm 10 years old. And the movie people come out to say, the 715 movie of Octopussy is sold out. Right. These teenagers behind me are like, Octa what? Octa what? (laughs) And my dad's like, if you ever act that way in public, I'll kill you. So... Uh, <laughs> All right. What tidbits do you have on octopusy? So the Fabergé egg is the same Fabergé egg that appears in Ocean's 12. And the the scenes we talked about this the stunt scenes, you know, where that he's hanging on to a plane and he's hanging on to a train the stunt man who was who was actually doing the part of hanging onto the train uh, got seriously injured the train went further than it was supposed to and he smashed into some pylons and had significant damage to his leg and a hip he was in the hospital for months but made a full recovery and then also the actor who had our yo-yo buzzsaw broke his arm when he fell over the balcony on octopussy's bed but he (laughs) he didn't stop filming like he broke his arm and they finished all of the scenes in that in that movie nice good for him all right here's something i got on octopussy during filming Roger Moore was misdiagnosed with heart problems. When he got home, Maude Adams had her boyfriend, who was a doctor at the time, give him a second opinion and pronounced him medically fit. We listened to the soundtrack show, right? Yep. And do you remember, you remember what diegetic music is? Do you remember what that is? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's where the, music where that the, you hear, that the characters hear as well. Yes. So this is the only movie that James Bond actually hears the James Bond tune in and it's you know it's being played by VJ at the beginning of Octopussy and not only does he hear it he recognizes it which is <laughs> how would he know what his theme music is <laughs> it's great that's kind of cool so they had a couple of little things like that here's an interesting tidbit that I found fascinating so we yeah. already talked about how Sean Connery and Roger Moore were friends Yes. John Connery wanted a closing scene of the movie to be him walking down the street, him bumping into a person. Right. And it turns out that that person is Roger Moore. And they both kind of turn and look at the camera and smirk and kind of go their separate ways. But as cool as that would have been, 
Cubby Broccoli, there's no way he's going to go for that. Right, yeah. So what you got instead was the one time in all of the Bond movies where James Bond breaks the fourth wall right at the end, you know, gives that little look to the camera. I love when they break the fourth wall. It's it's very inclusive of the audience, you know? Yeah, a la Burt Reynolds, a la Eddie Murphy. So, of course, while they're making these movies, this is a UK production for both movies, and they're making the movies at the same time. And sure enough, in London, Roger Moore runs into Sean Connery. And these guys are buddies. I mean, they're, they are friends. They've been friends for 20 years at this point. And so they run into each other outside of a hotel room as, as the movies are being made. And Sean Connery is talking to him and he says, so where are you headed? And, and Roger Moore is like, well, I'm going to this awful little town south of London to shoot some some country scenes, which is <laughs> which is the Cuban part, right? Right. And then Roger Moore is like, so where, where are you going? He's like, oh, I'm going to the south of France. Oh, okay. Sean Connery. Yeah. He goes, well, where are you going after you shoot uh, south of London? He's like, um, India. And yeah. Sean Connery's like, oh, Roger Moore's like, where are you going? He's like, I'm going to the Bahamas. <laughs> <laughs> All right, then. Good luck uh, with your movie. Yeah, have a great time. <laughs> we talked about this a little bit the other night. When you are playing Texas Hold'em, yeah. you've got pocket eights. Jason and I were playing Texas Hold'em literally two nights ago. And at some point, I had a pair of eights. And I showed them to Jason. And I said, you know what this is? He says, yes, I do. (laughs) (laughs) Pocket eights are known as an octopusy. By the way, that one comes up in Casino Royale. When they're playing Texas Hold'em at the table, uh, Daniel Craig's character has pocket eights. And so he has the octopusy hand. Yeah. I love it when they give a little wink to other Bond movies like that. Absolutely. So... During during the filming of this, there was a young production assistant whose job it was to drive Roger Moore around, and he was petrified that he was going to mess something up or get in a wreck and kill Sir Roger Moore. And <laughs> at some point, he was being so careful that Moore, you know, tipped his paper down from the back and said, you can go a little bit faster. <laughs> <laughs> and that young man went on to have his own catch line, which was, As you wish. Because it was Carrie Elway's from no Princess Bride. No way. Yeah. Now you know the rest of the story. That is awesome. Okay, here's something I got for you on Octopussy. The Acrostar plane used in the pre-title sequence is now hanging from the ceiling of a restaurant in Clearwater, Florida. Cool. We got to go there. I think that would be awesome. I would love to go there and see that. I I think that would be super cool. I wonder if the wings are up or down. There was a video game called James Bond as seen in Octopussy, and it was developed by Capcom and Parker Brothers for this movie in 1984. It was designed for the Atari 2600. I don't remember seeing that video game. Uh, so it was designed for the Atari 2600, the Atari 5200, the Commodore 64, and ColecoVision platforms, but it was never released. Oh, that's why I don't if remember seeing it. Had- <laughs> exactly. <laughs> if it had been, it would have been the first James Bond video game associated with the title of a Bond movie. All right. Let's compare Bonds and move into Final Judgment. Okay. So Sean Connery. Cool, sophisticated, manly, funny in brief moments, but ultimately almost infallible as James Bond. Your thoughts? 
I mean, I agree with all of that. I mean, he's tougher. He seems more physical. Mm-hmm. I believe him beating bad guys up a whole lot more than I do Roger Moore. Or shooting a gun. <laughs> <laughs> or running. Blinks. My gosh, Roger Moore is the slowest runner. Well, and Roger Moore has even said this. He he, he doesn't like shooting guns, which is a terrible. I mean, it's a terrible <laughs> condition to be in if you're going to be playing James Bond. He's like, I always blink before I shoot the guns. You see, Roger Moore is definitely funnier. I like his self-deprecating sense of humor, but as smooth as he is, he's just not quite as cool as Sean Connery. What are you thinking? Okay, this is hard for me because I grew up in the '70s with Roger Moore movies. So my heart says Roger Moore because he is funny and he is, he is very sophisticated and cool. Mm-hmm. He's just not as tough. I think I favor the Roger Moore movie. <laughs> it's a hard question, isn't it? It's hard. Some people are so, so stuck in their stance on this one, but it is a hard question because we did we did grow up with the Roger Moore Bond, and so he was kind of Bond to us. Going back and looking at it, he does look a little, for lack of a better word, prissy in certain circumstances. Yeah. Um, so, honestly, here's here is my take on it, right? I would probably rather watch Roger Moore. Yes. I'd probably rather be Sean Connery. Yeah, okay. I go with that. I go with yeah. that. I think in this movie though he looks a little old. I they I think they both look old to be mm-hmm. to be well, real. They both were old, man. They both were old and then Roger Moore does another one after this and he looks even older. <laughs> but uh I, I think I, I think you're right. I think I enjoy some of the Roger Moore movies more, but I think Connery is a better Bond. Okay, you made a you made a comment a few weeks ago. Flashback to our Cannonball Run episode. Yeah. You, you said you enjoyed Roger Moore and Cannonball Run as and call that one of his best Bond performances. I, I totally I agree with that. I still agree with that because he was probably cooler in this one and probably cooler in Cannonball Run. Okay. Let yeah, me throw this out there real quick. Gonna, All right. Go ahead. Yeah. I, I'm with you and everybody has their own Bond and everybody has their own opinion. And, and I know that, that Connery is kind of the guy for, for most of our listening audience. You have two of the most uncool scenes with Bond in all of Bond movies in both of these movies, okay? So you have Sean Connery wearing overalls (laughs) and nothing else, and you have Roger Moore dressed as a clown trying to undo a nuclear bomb. (laughs) So uh, overall, like in all of Bond history, who are you picking? I don't know. I mean, I think the best Bond is Daniel Craig. I totally agree. There's no question about it for me. Daniel Craig is the best Bond that's ever been to Bond. Okay. So I think that's cool that we can agree on that. Daniel Craig is the best Bond. I think the second best Bond is Pierce Brosnan. Well, Pierce Brosnan kind of wove together the the, the great parts of, of Sean Connery and Roger Moore. He was able to be funny and cool at the same time. He was able to be self-deprecating, but wasn't prissy at all. It yep. was yeah, yeah. He was it was a perfect meld. It was just he didn't have super great movies. So his, his, th- his the way he played Bond was spot on. Though. That was great. Yeah. Yeah, and we talked we talked briefly that he was a great bond he just had terrible scripts right okay so never say never again versus octopussy which is the better movie 
Octopussy. Wow. Wow. Okay. I, I just in going back and like, I've already said, I've already said how I feel about the bonds and I talked about the plot points and I talked about the action that's involved, but it's a more engaging movie. It does move. It moves more quickly. It has more action sequences. The characters to me are more interesting in Octopussy. Yes. I think that Sean Connery is kind of like Christopher Reeve. He will always be the original bond, but, but never say never again was, not a great comeback role for me for for him i mean maybe if he'd this would have this would have been an interesting idea what if he had played the part with his gray beard and his hairpiece gone and played it like that that might have been more fascinating but this one i just felt like he was he was trying too hard to be the bond of the 60s in his nearly 60s i guess i don't know you know it was just okay not as good. What, what are your thoughts well so i want to love octopussy right Mm-hmm. We talked how For Your Eyes Only was my entry. I love that movie. Octopussy comes around, and when I see it, I, honestly, I was disappointed at the movie theater as a kid. Uh, it's it's silly, and the clowns, and the bad guys aren't very good, and the plot is convoluted. You have a yo-yo buzzsaw. <laughs> you, the yo-yo buzzsaw is pretty cool, and the the alligator submarine is pretty cool. What about the what about the closing when he's flying in the plane and he's holding on to the plane? That's intense. That was That's cool. An awesome scene. That was a great scene until the guy says, "You go out there and get him." Which <laughs> that is was great. The guy goes flying off the edge when he hits him in the face at the end. <laughs> <laughs> oh, what a great way to go. Which that uh, would hurt like crazy, man. Ow, my nose. Ah. <laughs> ah. So I give the nod to never say never again. I think the plot is more interesting. I think you get bonus points for having uh, a super cool baddie. Barbara Carrera kills it as Fatima Blush. I love her in this. So I'd rather have Bahamas and Barbara Carrera. Octopussy grossed more in the box office uh, than never say never again did. It did. So so Octopussy, we talked about, had a budget of $27.5 million dollars. And made $187 million. Right. But not only did it make more, but it was more profitable. I'm sorry. Right. The budget for Never Say Never Again was $36 million, and the box office was $160 million. Right. Still a big hit, just not quite as big as Octopussy. Right. I think part of that, it would have been interesting to me to see how they both would have done if they had both been released in June. It has been great to do this again. I can't wait for next week's episode, which is which is going to be Motley Crue's Dr. Feelgood versus Skid Row's debut album, Skid Row. Man, I can't wait for that one. Those are two of my all-time favorites. I have had a great time getting into these Bond movies, even though they're not the best of Bonds. The, the story to me has been really fascinating. So I hope you've enjoyed this deep dive into what was going on behind the scenes. And 1983 made for a spectacular year at the box office. If you haven't followed us or liked our page on Facebook, do that now. We're getting tons of good responses from folks out there, and we'd love for you to be a part of it. We want to build as big a family and community on the Sure That You Can't Be Serious podcast as we can. And um, please tell your friends about us. You know, the more people we have listening, the more uh, fun that we have. So let other folks know. Jason, catch you next week, man. All right, man. Thanks a lot. Bye.